Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning, April the 17th, 2022, and it is uh, 7.03 on your Tucson Tuesday. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for joining us this morning as uh, we have a uh, show full of... There's going to be a lot of, of NBA talk, specifically Phoenix Suns, and even more specifically DeAndre Ayton as we kind of truncate all of that down, because I think, honestly, that's, you know, at least in my opinion, I think that's the most pressing issue this offseason for the Phoenix Suns. What do they do with DeAndre Ayton? And it goes a lot further and a lot deeper than just performance. there's, There's a lot in play here, and there's the almighty history of, you know, a, an owner who has been more than willing to save money at every turn uh, than he has been to spend money. So there's always that factor going on. And, and I have a, a very, very comprehensive list of the options that both DeAndre Ayton and the Phoenix Suns have this offseason in regards to their future with the Phoenix Suns and DeAndre Ayton playing for them. So we will uh, – I'll, I'll certainly lay all of that out for you. I have numbers so that you guys are all informed and you know kind of what we're looking at here as far as a payment, uh, you, you know, amount, a salary amount for DeAndre Ayton, how it affects the Phoenix Suns, not only against the salary cap and the luxury tax threshold, but the amount of years that it would be, you know, possible for, for him to be a Phoenix Sun. When can he opt out? I mean, there's a lot of different things. In the NBA, the, the CBA in the NBA, the the, the collective bargaining agreement, uh, is it, it becomes very complex with player movement. And player movement is very prevalent in the NBA, as it is in every sport. There's just, in the NBA, NBA and NFL specifically, there's just a lot more complexity to player movement um, because of certain things that are in NBA. Con- NBA contracts are, they are, confusing to say the least there's a lot of different things they've they've tried to give more power to the players obviously the cba in the nba is pretty pretty strong pretty you know pretty strong cba they have made mistakes over the years just like all uh just like all uh, not cba um players associations the nba pa the the uh, the union has had made they've made some mistakes over the years as has every player union in uh, in professional sports uh, time over you know time over time but they have made things that are available to the players that give them a little more power which is rare in this day and age in the uh, in the world of sports you know maybe in in baseball it is more prevalent but even then you know we just talked about the CBA that was you know that had caused the lockout the uh, the owners lockout in the uh, you know, in the preseason this year in Major League Baseball and just how uh, I, guess, I guess how un uh, you know lack of power the players have in Major League Baseball even though we perceive them to have probably the most in the four major sports so uh, I'll talk about that as far as what DeAndre's options are what the Phoenix Suns options are and give my prediction not I mean I'll give what I think they should do 
as well. But I'll give my prediction of what I think is going to happen just based on what I know of the situation, uh, history of Robert Sarver and this organization when signing you know, max deals with players and such like that. So uh, I'll have all that for you coming up here very, very shortly as we get into what in the world the Phoenix Suns are going to do to try to win a championship because the window is closing rapidly. Uh, we'll talk some local stuff as there were a couple of champions crowned in 4A last, last night in Tucson. A couple of local programs with a, uh, uh, a very rich history in both baseball and softball crowning a, the, the uh, champion, taking home a championship trophy last night. We'll talk about that. I have an NHL playoff preview for round two as round two gets underway tonight. A couple of games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll get into that. I'll give you some of my predictions for the uh, for the Stanley Cup playoffs for round two. I did pretty well in round one. I, I would have done a lot better if Sidney Crosby hadn't gotten a concussion uh, when, the Pen- when the Penguins were up 3-1 in that series against the Rangers. And then basically without Sidney Crosby, the Pittsburgh Penguins were just out there playing with you know, one leg. And uh, the Rangers were able to overcome that and end up winning three in a row <clears throat> and taking home the round one victory. Other than that, I was uh, I was perfect in my picks uh, for the uh, uh, for the round one playoffs. So we'll try to keep that alive for you in the uh, in the round two picks, and I'll have those for you coming up a little bit later on as well. We always talk NFL here on the Jeff Dean Show. There's not a whole lot to get into in the NFL, but I do have some some things that uh, that I'll express some interesting you know news and topics and things like that. that we'll be talking about um, maybe some of like. I kind of wanted to take a look at, at as far as the off season for certain teams, um, you know, who, which teams had the best off seasons, which teams didn't have the best off seasons. Uh, and we'll talk about that coming up in the show today as well as many, you know, as well as anything else that may be, uh, may be happening. I know that things are moving on the campus at, uh, at university of Arizona, as far as the football program and Jed fish initiating and the athletic department initiating a, uh, basically a ticket purchase program for the community, which I thought was a very interesting uh, take, something we've never seen here before. Uh, we'll go over that is basically if you know if you have the means and you want to support the program and want to get people in the community to the football games, you can essentially buy a lump of tickets that the university will then dole out to fans to come to games. So I thought that was an interesting thing, and, and I hope that people uh, that have the means are able to take advantage of that. We'll talk about that and some of the other things going on on campus. Uh, also, uh, John Wilner, the of course, he is the kind of the, the Pac-12 writer, I guess. He, he's, a, he's a writer for the San Jose Mercury News, but he's the guy who kind of writes all about the Pac-12. He has Pac-12 articles every single day. And he wrote an article, and I think he it, it either posted late last night or early this morning, uh, on the... Uh, on each and each each Pac-12 football team's depth at the quarterback position, and we'll I we'll want to dive into that because it's you know I know how I feel about you know the 12 teams here and their quarterback depth, and um, as I start to dig into the college football offseason a little bit more, once I get my Phil Steele's guide, that always helps because I can't keep up with all the player movement. Thankfully, uh, Phil Steele has like 140 people working for him that do keep up with all of that information, and they put it in a wonderful magazine, and uh, you can get that magazine every single year and basically spend all of your waking hours when you're not working uh, or, or you know, even eating. You can watch and read it while you're eating. 
uh, with all of your waking hours while you're not working, sifting through the pages of the most comprehensive football magazine in the country. Um, so, you know, I, I have my own opinions on, you know, the the Pac-12, but it's always interesting to see what an outsider, and and not so much of an outsider, but you know, someone who's uh, a professional at, at you know at you know he talks Pac-12 for for a living. He you know, soaks in that information, gathers information, and, and spits it out there. But it is an opinionated, uh, you know, piece regardless. Most of John Wilner's pieces are. So I always like to get, and just, to, you know, I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with John Wilner, and as I certainly have had my disagreements with him over the years, especially when he said it sounded that I sounded like Peyton Manning uh, in my PA announcer role with the football team. I still don't understand that. But uh, regardless, the uh, it's always interesting to see what someone else's concept, what, what someone else's opinions of a football team or an entire conference of football teams looks like. So we'll talk about that coming up throughout the show today. So busy show for us today, and who knows what else? Some breaking news may came up, may come out. Um, it, it, something happened just before I hit the air, actually, on ESPN's morning show. The I think it's I think it's first take. I don't remember. They have two different morning shows. Then they have a radio show that they do as well. It's changed names. Like growing up, it was cold pizza, and I don't know. Anyway, their morning show that's hosted by Mike Greenberg, and they bring in lots of different guest hosts and things like that. And yesterday they brought in Pat Beverly, and he started spewing his hatred for Chris Paul all over the airwaves. And it was disgusting and stupid. And a lot of people took to the social medias yesterday throughout the day to tell Patrick Beverly that he was stupid and he was a moron and that he's an idiot and that he's obviously got some kind of a personal vendetta against Chris Paul to uh, incline that he is not a very good basketball player is basically what Patrick Beverly said about Chris Paul yesterday. Now, today... And this literally happened five minutes before I went on the air. I was turning off the TV, and I was like, what did he just say? (laughs) He might have gotten his NBA team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, whom he currently plays for, he might have gotten his team into some real hot water with something he just said literally before before they signed off, before I went on the air. (laughs) They were talking about, I, I mean, I wasn't following the conversation. It's kind of in the background, and I just kind of pick up little things. And he was getting into arguments with everybody on the set today, by the way. He and J.J. Reddick, I thought we were going to go to blows. They were they were arguing um, very divisively about some things. And, you know, it was about James Harden and some other things that they, they were talking about. But near the end of the show today... They were talking about LeBron. Will he win another championship? What are the you know What do the Lakers look like? And Patrick Beverly basically said that LeBron has a chance to win a championship if he goes to Minnesota, which is where he currently plays. He's currently under contract with the T Wolves, and then went on to say like they all kind of started laughing like, "Ha ha, you're funny." And he said, "He said, you know, we've got we've got some experienced guys. We've got great athletes. He can come in and man and, and mentor." Uh, uh, Anthony Edwards, you know, and 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 we'd have a, you know, he'd have a chance to win a championship because I don't think he has a chance to win one in L.A. So I'd love to I'd I'd, I'd love for for him to be traded or, or figure out a way to get him to Minnesota. Well, all of those statements are tampering under NBA rule. So like you can't have a player going out and vocally, I guess 
you know, you know, saying, hey, uh, you know, come to our team. We've got this. We've got that. You can do this here and you can do this here. Like, that is literally tampering. So the NBA may take very much exception to uh, what Pat, Bever- Pat Beverly was saying this morning about LeBron James and coming to the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's funny because J.J. Redick, like, is sitting there letting him go because those two had had been arguing all morning about stuff. And J.J. Redick, like, you know, J.J. is a very opinionated guy, and sometimes he says things that you're just like, what? What did you just say? But, listen, when you're opinionated, those are the things that are going to happen. You, you say things, and, and some of them are a little bit outlandish, and sometimes you say things, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a heat of passion that you don't mean. And I've certainly been... <laughs> been, uh, uh, been, you know, been in that arena plenty of times before. So he was just kind of letting Pat Beverly go, like, just like let's see how far he takes this thing. And sure enough, Patrick Beverly crossed that line. And he, I mean, he did. He definitely crossed the line this morning. There was so much more that he said that you know that that could be considered uh, tampering. You know, finable offense for uh, for tampering. Even Patrick Beverly said, "I'm not trying to get my team fined here." and then continued to go on and say things that were tampering. And at the end of it all, J.J. Reddick said, he said, i got to stop you. He goes, he goes, I'm pretty sure that is the exact definition of tampering. And they all started laughing. And I think, you know, it's, it's funny because, yeah, it's true. So it'll be interesting to see if anything comes of that because, I mean, he literally was basically touting his own team for LeBron James to, uh, you know, to, to you know, initiate a sign and trade deal essentially for, uh, for himself to send him over to Minnesota. He was like talking about the city and the people and the restaurants, and he's talking about the taxes, like state taxes there and all this other stuff, like going on and on, making a full on presentation for LeBron James. Ugh. I don't know, man. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy in my opinion. Maybe that. Because, look, those, like, tampering fines are insanely high. I believe, God, I think it was the Minnesota Timberwolves now that I think about it. I, I, I mean, I didn't have time to look it up. Um, I think it was the Timberwolves, God, I want to say maybe 10, 12 years ago or something, where they got hit with a, with a tampering fine, and I think it was like $500,000. So they could be in that arena again looking for or staring at a another big hefty fine this time from Adam Silver in the in the form of a little FedEx uh little FedEx ticket on their way to the uh, to the front office there in Minnesota. So we'll keep an eye on that because you know Pat Bedford, you know opened his mouth. He said some really stupid things yesterday and said a lot of stupid things today. And listen <laughs> I know that there, there are a lot of people here locally that took exception to what Patrick Beverly said, and opinions are opinions, and that's that's fine. Uh, you know, I mean, they don't have to be right. I mean, that's why we have the you know the luxury to agree and disagree with each other in this country, in this world. And you know, where I really, you know, where I, you know, the area that draws my ire is to the producer or the executive or whomever who basically said, hey, uh, Patrick Beverly, why don't you come over to our ESPN studios for the next couple of days or the week or however long the, this little dog and pony show is going to last and come in and stir some things up, knowing full well Patrick Beverly was going to come in and say a lot of provocative things. Uh, I don't know if he knew that 
he was going to basically say that one of the five best point guards of all time is trash. But <laughs> lo and behold, he did. And then, you know, obviously a lot of people on the social medias took exception to that. And uh, some of the posts yesterday were very entertaining. People posting uh, Patrick Beverly. You know, you know, Patrick Beverly's like, oh, you know, he, you watch his last five games in the NBA playoffs and it's the worst of his career. And he's, he's on the downslope. And these are what we expect out of Chris Paul, blah, 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 blah. And Chris Paul's numbers, his the numbers that he put up in the last five games of the NBA playoffs this year, which are the, the worst five games in Chris Paul's career, statistically the worst five-game stretch in his career, are right on pace with Patrick Beverly's career average numbers. So, I, I, I you know, I get a lot. Like, that would be like me going on to, uh, you know, it's not it's, actually it's not even close – to me because I, I never even got there but you know it would be like it would be like you know me or you know whomever uh you know just going on and talking about this and that uh, when when we played at the same level and weren't able to attain anywhere near that person's level now it's different for like media like i didn't play there's that whole thing well like well you didn't play and you don't you don't know okay fine you know but you you also don't know because maybe if I could have played or if I would have played, who knows? It, it, there's, there's the whole tit for tat, you go back and forth. But And I've had those arguments with people before. And uh, so it's, it's almost different when a player who's in that current position is talking smack about another player who's obviously better than they are. And it just it comes from a, a real bad place for Patrick Beverly because we all saw him whiplash shove Chris Paul in the back at the end of the Western Conference Finals last year, right? Like, everybody saw that. It's on video. We, we've, we've seen it replayed 10,000 times. As Chris Paul is walking off the court, he walks by Pat, Bedder, Pat Beverly, says something to him, obviously said some, says something to him. Patrick Beverly then waits for Chris Paul to get past him and, like a punk, full-on, uh, you know, takes full run and shoves him, whiplash shoves him right in the back, shoving him to the ground, as, you know, is typical for a cheap shot artist and punk like Patrick Beverly is. So, we, we you know, we, when, when it comes from that person, it really just rings hollow. Like, <laughs> it's entertaining to me now at, at this point because, like, yesterday I was mad. Like, I was upset. Like, who is this? Who, does, who is he to say this? And now I'm just kind of... Whatever it's it's more entertaining than anything because there is no validity to it and there shouldn't be no one should take any kind of personal effect by what he said there's just no reason to because it obviously comes from a person who's jealous and incapable of attaining that level themselves so they need to tear other people down and then then his statements today just prove. What idiocy he you know he is dwelling in between those ears uh, in Patrick Beverly's head. So hopefully this is his final day on the ESPN car wash tour, and uh, they can move on from that because ESPN has had some really bad. Like they've had some really really bad. I can't remember who the guy they had an NFL guy on um, a couple of weeks ago. Damn it, I don't remember who it was. He was he was you could tell he was nervous. You know, he dressed up like he he put on his best suit, like colorful suit, not a you know not black suit and tie or anything, like colorful, like bright pink with purple and you know all this other stuff. Like he dressed himself to the nines for this, 
And then the lights came on, and he was deer in the headlights. And they'd ask him a question, and he was like, yeah, uh, um, yeah, he, he's, he's really good. <laughs> and they would stop, and you're like, oh, boy, this guy's been paid to be here for three hours today. They're going to have to deal with this. And uh, it's you're just watching the train wreck occur, and we all got to watch it. So different kind of train wreck. It's a guy that won't shut up and stop saying stupid things. But, hell, you hear that every morning right here on the Jeff Dean Show from 7 to 9 a.m. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. When I return, what do the Phoenix Suns do next? What's next for the Phoenix Suns specifically with Phoenix and DeAndre Ayton? I'll lay it all out for you next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. So what's next for the Phoenix Suns? Uh, I mean, really, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot to continue to marinate on as they kind of figure out what happened. I, I, you know, I thought about some things over the, you know, over the, the last 24 hours. And I still, I still believe in my initial reactions. I, I think my initial reactions are the same. And I think it's the same kind of thoughts that I had creeping in after the first round win over the New Orleans Pelicans. And then as they struggled through games five, six, and seven, uh, well, four, actually four, six, and seven, really. Five was uh, a nice dominant victory for them. Willie Green, who spent, you know, plenty of time with this organization, knew exactly the makeup of this team and how they, you know, how they went about their business, then had an opportunity to face the Phoenix Suns in the first round and and knew what the Suns' weaknesses were and used, you know, his, you know, his scheming and his team to exploit those. He just didn't have the horses to finish. Well, Jason Kidd was able to take that, uh, take that film, know exactly what Willie Green was doing, agree with it, and did have the horses, or at least one big horse, to be able to put the Phoenix Suns away. So, you know, Monty Williams getting outcoached, the backcourt being outplayed, and DeAndre essentially kind of wilting as the, uh, as the series went on, realizing that he wasn't getting the ball or wasn't working hard enough for it, whatever have you. It's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, you know, it became what it became at the finish line, and the Suns were embarrassed on their way out the door. So what happens next, and, and I'm going to specifically focus on here today, what happens next for DeAndre Ayton and his role with the Phoenix Suns? Well, to be quite honest with you folks, it's all going to be on Robert Sarver owner of the Phoenix Suns who has had this team, you know, controlled this team for, you know, a couple of decades now, over a couple of decades now, uh, and, and has been, no, you know, notoriously cheap with the way that he's conducted his business. He's made trades for cash. He's traded uh, draft picks away for cash. I mean, you know, lots of different ways to just only look at the bottom line and save money. They did pay the luxury tax one year. In 2009-2010, he paid the luxury tax, and then the team went in the tank following, you know, after about two years after that, the team went in the tank for a decade. So he's going to have to figure out what he wants to do. Do you pay the luxury tax and continue to be one of the major players in the NBA, or do you not and continue to try to just hope to make the playoffs and make a run? If you want to win a championship, you got to spend money. That's just, just the way it is. got to spend money. got to have the right 
players in place. You've got to have the right coach in, you know, in place. And it all has to kind of come together. Not every team that wins a championship is spending into the luxury tax, but they're also not teams that are trading draft picks away for cash consideration. So it's all on Robert Sarver. Now, there are many, many different options that the Suns and or DeAndre Ayton can take in this offseason. They are the qualifying offer, which I'll explain. They are a max deal. The, the Suns can just go ahead and offer him a max deal if they feel like their future is with D.A. and they're going to continue to feature one of the best centers in the NBA. They can take the restricted free agent uh, free agency route, the RFA route with DeAndre Ayton, which they essentially let him go out and get offers from other teams and then he brings those offers back, and the Suns can choose to match or not match those offers. Then there's also the option that DeAndre could go to the team and, and, and ask them to conduct a sign-and-trade, to negotiate a sign-and-trade deal for him. All of these are complicated, okay? And I'm going to tell you exactly what the numbers are, what the complications are, what the advantages and disadvantages to each and every one of those are, and how I think the Suns should go about their business and give a prediction of what I think the Suns will do in this particular case with DeAndre Ayton. So we're going to take a quick, a quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk about all of that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, so lots of options of what the Suns do with DeAndre. They were not able to come to a deal after last year. There was there was no five-year rookie extension, a max extension from the Suns for DeAndre Ayton when all of the other first round or lottery picks, and not all of the lottery picks, but the nine of the first uh, or eight of the first ten, if you include DeAndre, eight of the top ten picks in that draft were already given their five-year extension by their team that drafted them. So there was that, and there was this thought that maybe DeAndre would let that hamper his season. He said it, it, you know, be, it didn't work out. He says, I got it out of my mind right away. I just put my head down and went back to work. And when you look at what DeAndre did this year, a regular season where he averaged 17-10 and 10 a game, shot a career-high 63.5% from the field, and expanded his offensive you know, his offensive game exponentially. I mean, he's he's now become a, a very potent jump shooter from, you know, 15 to 18 feet away. Now, actually, in uh, you know, according to uh, ESPN stats and information research, DeAndre shot 44% on field goal attempts outside the paint, which is the best in his career. And on all of his jump shots, he shot 47% from the field on 125 attempts during the regular season, which ranks in the top 10 among every player every player in the NBA who took at least 100 jump shots this season. He had a a good playoff performance last year, averaged 16 and 12 in the playoffs last year, averaged nearly 20 and 9 this year. Only player to average, the only player in NBA history to average 15 and 10 and shoot 65% field goal in in an NBA postseason. In NBA history, only one. And he also joined two other pretty good players as the only players to have five or more career playoff games with 20 points and 80% shooting. Those two guys, 
uh, you might have heard of them, are James Worthy and Kevin McHale. Okay? So it's not like he was a flash in the pan. It's not like he had his, you know, coming out party. We, we, we've seen this happen before. We've, we've seen it, uh, you know, we've seen it grow before our very eyes over the last three years. So now the Suns are presented with options. What, what are they going to do with DeAndre Ayton and his future with this team? The first option is the qualifying offer. Okay, the Suns will extend him a qualifying offer. It's just part of business. The qualifying offer would be for an NBA record $16.4 million, but would basically be a one-and-done, and the Suns would lose him for nothing in 2023. Now, the, the qualifying offer is, is just that. It's an offer for the player to sign. DeAndre Ayton could sign that deal and set a new NBA record for the highest single-season salary on an NBA qualifying offer. It would be 16.4 or 16.5, somewhere around there, is what it would end up being. But with a one-and-done scenario and leaving him as, a, as an unrestricted free agent uh, at the end of the 2023 season, he opens himself up to a lot of risks. Number one risk being, if he gets injured, he will not get a max deal from another team in that, in that first uh, that first dive into unrestricted free agency. So his second contract will not be a max deal. So that is a huge risk for DeAndre Ayton if he does sign the qualifying offer, which I don't think he will do. The next option is a max deal, okay? Just a straight-up max deal that that is done in the NBA every single day for players who have earned them, okay? The max deal for the Suns because of the NBA rules where the uh, the team that owns the players' rights can then offer more years and more money. They can offer 5% more money and another year in length on the contract. The max deal that the Suns would be looking at here for DeAndre would be a five-year, $177 million deal and would leave the Suns when all is said and done after they sign Booker to his Supermax, which they will do, after they sign Cam Johnson to his extension, which they should do, and they offer the mid-level exception to most likely JaVale McGee for another year, which I think they also should do. So after all of that, and if they do sign DeAndre to the max deal, it would leave Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns with a salary tax bill north of $70 million. Okay, Now that salary tax does not have to be paid in one lump sum. It can be spread out over time. But if you continue to stay over the luxury tax threshold, then that number will continue. It will continue to add on. It's essentially like, you know, you, you have a, a, a $2,000 credit card and you spend 1200 on the first day you get the card. Okay. Now the, you know, now the timer begins. You got to pay $45 a month for the next 36 months or whatever, you know, and you can pay more, you can pay less to pay it off in that time. But if you spend more, that payment goes up for that amount of time. So it's, it's exactly the same thing. So as the Suns continue to pay over the luxury tax for the duration of Chris Paul's contract that they signed him to, which is a sweetheart deal in the first two years, but then becomes really, really uh, cap expensive for the Suns in the final two years of his deal, and all the other max deals that they've got out there, super max for Booker and another max for Ayton, not to mention Mikel Bridges, and the deal that Cam Johnson is going to sign, mid-level exceptions, salary, uh, veterans exemptions, and all that stuff. So that's where it would leave the Phoenix Suns. It would leave them with a bill immediately. Well, let's say not immediately. Once all of those other deals are done. 
and all of them will be done within the next 12 months. Okay, at the when it's all said and done, that tax number is going to be like I think it's like 74 million. I want to say something like that. It, it's something I didn't work out all the numbers, but it's it's north of 70 million, which is a, a considerable amount of tax to be paying. They can go the restricted free agent direction. Okay, now. Restricted free agency. Basically, what the Suns would do is they would go to DeAndre and his agent and say, we would like you to go out and get some offers from some teams who are qualified to pay you a max deal. Now, restricted free agent deals can only be signed by teams who are currently under the, t- the luxury tax threshold, under the salary cap threshold, and when signing that max deal, will not put them over by more than 5%. Okay? So... Those teams, there are five teams in the NBA that qualify for that, so the number is very, very small. This is not a, a wealthy market this, uh, this offseason. Normally you see ten or more teams that are available uh, for RFA deals. This year there's only five. It's Detroit, Orlando, Portland, okay, three terrible teams right now, San Antonio, and Indiana. Those are the five clubs right now that could offer DeAndre Ayton a restricted free agency max deal. Now that deal, because of the NBA rules, the CBA, would be a four-year, $136 million deal, which saves the Suns about, what is that, Forty-one, about $41 million. Okay. Now the problem with this is there are a lot of risks involved in RFA matching because it would leave the Suns with a really heavy advanced payment Okay, if they if they sign if it basically if they match. Okay, the, I'm sorry, I, I missed a, I missed a step there. I, I thought um, sorry, I missed a step. For those of you following along here, once DeAndre comes back with whatever teams, I think there may be a, a, you know northwards of three teams who would offer him a max deal. Three of those five, you you often don't get every team offering you the max. Okay, he'll come back with three of those offers. He said Indiana, San Antonio, and Portland have all offered me four years, hundred thirty six million dollars. Suns say great. We will sign. We will match that deal. You're going to earn four, you know, $136 million over the next four years with us. Now, there are risks involved because that would leave the Suns with a huge, heavy advanced payment. If you match an RFA deal, it is a front-loaded deal. Okay? So the guaranteed money and all that stuff, it is, it is a you, – you cannot defer uh, that salary because players have options – within those contracts, in RFA contracts, to then opt out early. Okay, there's early opt-out clauses in RFA deals, which is one of the things that the Players Association negotiated into the CBA, the most recent one. So it gives a little bit of, of power to the player. Not much, but a little bit. Not to mention, you get fewer years, whether it be if he sees the end of the contract, which is only four years, or if he opts out early, which would be even worse. And the player gets to retain all the trade bonuses. So <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a risky move for the Phoenix Suns because of the little bit of power that has been given to the players in RFA deals. The final option here is for DeAndre to say, I don't want to negotiate with you guys anymore. I want you to negotiate a sign-and-trade with another team, which is a, is a viable option here for all of them. Aiton can go to them and say a sign and trade deal, you know, is 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 what is what we're asking for. 
The problem with sign-in trades in the NBA is not only are they extremely rare, they're extremely rare because of the CBA's complex salary system. In a sign-in trade deal, I'm going to try to (laughs) – I'll try to put this in terms that everybody can understand where I'm not rambling for the next 12 minutes on exactly all the different potholes that are involved in a sign-in trade deal in the NBA. Basically what happens is when you when you commit to a sign-and-trade deal with another team, often there is a third team involved because salaries need to be kind of, uh, I guess, evened out across. Number one, it's, it's difficult to find a team to match because NBA has the 20% salary match for all trades. Okay, For the trade purposes, okay, 50% of DeAndre's incoming salary applies to his new team. 100% applies to his outgoing team. So, if they do a sign-and-trade deal, and that sign-and-trade deal, if, if the, the new team offers him $33 million a year, okay, they are on the hook for $16.5 million, whereas the Phoenix Suns will be paying the $16.5 million plus the amount of money they would have been paying DeAndre Ayton this year. So they're on the hook basically for the 100% of the money he's going to earn this year, whereas the team signing the trade and bringing the new player in only incur half of that against the cap. So it becomes very difficult for teams to just trade away assets and do sign-and-trade deals in the NBA. That's basically the nuts and bolts of it. It's – I think – I think there have been like three sign-and-trade deals. There was one a couple of years ago, but I think there's only been like three sign-and-trade deals in the last 15 years in the NBA. Like, they are extremely rare just because it is so risky for the team sending the star player away. And they're just really difficult to negotiate anyways. So I believe that the sign-and-trade is off the table because it just they just don't happen. DeAndre can, can ask for a sign-and-trade because they don't want to negotiate, but that's, that's just not going to happen. James Jones is not going to you know, involve himself in something like that because the team sending the star player away always gets screwed, always. <laughs> they never get back what you, know, what, what you send away. This is my prediction of what will happen. DeAndre will and should reject the Suns' qualifying offer because he does not want to put himself at risk for a one-and-done season with Phoenix Suns. Okay? And I think the Suns will probably go the RFA route, where they say, go and get some offers from other teams, those five other teams, Detroit, Orlando, Portland, San Antonio, Indiana. Go and get, those, go and get offers from them. Bring those offers back. I believe that, as I mentioned, he will receive at least three offers, maybe five from those clubs, because there's not that many teams uh, involved right now. At least three offers from those from those teams and I believe the Suns will match that offer. The Suns will then get about a what I what I say, forty two million dollar a forty one, forty two million dollar a forty two million dollar discount. But what will happen is DeAndre and his agent will likely, and this is what happens in these types of situations, they'll negotiate for player options after the two thousand twenty four, the two thousand twenty five seasons, which will allow him to declare for free agency earlier than the end of his contract, which would be the 2025-26 season. The Suns need to make the decision 
if they're going to continue to feature DeAndre in their offense or not. Because if they are not, if they're going to go a different direction, if they're going to go spread the floor, shoot threes, and go with you know with a guard heavy you know type with Cam Johnson as you in you know in the in the starting lineup and go with a a fluid kind of power forward situation a stretch five something to that effect okay um, then they would you know they would be fine with letting DeAndre go uh, early you know even if they do sign him to the RFA deal uh, or just you know only say <clears throat> you know look we're, we're, it's the qualifying offer or nothing we're not going to offer you a contract or the Suns say. We really believe that we have something here that we can feature. He's one of the elite centers in the league, and we're going to pay him as such. So those are basically the options there. And I, I, I mean, I have my opinions of what they should do, and I will certainly share those with you. And it's coming up right here next on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So what should the Suns do? I mean, my prediction is that they'll offer him the restricted free agency because Robert Sarver is the one running the team. He'll notice that he can save $42 million by having DA go out and get offers from other teams, four-year offer deals that they can then match instead of just ponying up the max dough for a five-year, $177 million deal. What I think the Suns should do is give him the max deal. He's earned the five-year, $177 million max because if you look at other centers who are in that max contract arena, you have – that's the word I'm using a lot today. I don't know why. You have Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, and Bam Adebayo. Okay, those are the those are the, the five centers that are in the league right now that are currently on max deals with their teams. Why not make DeAndre Ayton one of them? If you believe what Monty Williams and the coaching staff are saying, that he is crucial to their defensive efficiency, he is crucial to their scheme and the way that he works within it, if you believe what other coaches have said when they say it's really easy to scheme you know, offensively against teams like the Utah Jazz with Rudy Gobert, where you just don't have, you know, if you if you don't attack the rim and you don't let him sit back there, you're fine. That uh, it's it's a lot more difficult to attack the Phoenix Suns because players like DeAndre Ayton are so multiple and can step out and guard the three. Not to mention, you also have a guy who's a great finisher and who is still improving his offensive game. As I mentioned, he's one of only ten players in the entire league to shoot <clears throat> pardon me he's one of only 10 players <clears throat> man I'm losing here in the entire league to shoot more than uh, better than 47% from the field on jump shots this year when uh, uh, players who took more than 100 jump shots which is just about everybody one of 10 he's one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA and yes a lot of that is because of Chris Paul but if you also look at his jump shots and his ability to score outside of the paint. He was one of the best centers in the league to do that this year. Only two other centers, I'm sorry, three, uh, if you include Carl Anthony Towns, shooting a lot of threes. But Jokic and and Embiid were the only two that were better than him at scoring outside the paint from that position. Pay him the max deal. Worry about your backcourt later. You're going to give Booker the super max anyways. You got other things to worry about. 
Pay them the max deal. Pay the tax. I know it's easy for me to say that. It's not my money. All right. Quick timeout. We'll throw it to SportsCenter for an update. We'll come back for hour number two right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson. K285DL1049FM Tucson. And KMXZHD4 Tucson.